You've logged on to Chris Stewart Online, the official podcast of Alabama broadcaster Chris Stewart. This podcast is brought to you by Townsend Honda, Skyland Boulevard in Tuscaloosa, and online at TownsendHonda.com. Andrew Sports Medicine, orthopedic care for all in the relentless pursuit of victory over injury. Mobley and Sons, a fine gentleman's clothier in Tuscaloosa. Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. KS Services Heating and Air, Alabama's most trusted heating, cooling, and plumbing company. And by the Alabama Crimson Tide Fan Card, the only prepaid fan card for Alabama fans. Online at myfancard.com. From the Crimson Tide to Birmingham High School football and everything else in the state of Alabama and sports, it's Chris Stewart Online. Welcome once again, everybody. I'm Chris Stewart. Great to have you with me for the podcast and a chance to look back at some things that transpired over the weekend. Primarily, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll have a couple of thoughts on some other games involving SEC schools from the weekend as well. But not surprisingly, given uh, what I do on fall Saturdays, we'll start things off and spend the bulk of the time today talking about the Crimson Tide and their 44-13 win over Miami and continue to be uh, amazed but not surprised at what Nick Saban is able to do in these opening season ball games. He's never lost one and in these you know marquee games that are talked about all throughout the offseason continues to not just win but to be dominant. And I'll I'll tell you the truth as long as Miami stays healthy I think they'll be really good. I think they may even contend for the ACC title. Uh, still to be determined what Clemson is going to be, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think that Miami can be right there for the ACC crown if they don't let this loss and the fact that they got destroyed by Alabama get into their head. This game was over at halftime. Uh, the fact that Alabama continued to execute for the majority of the game at the high level and standard that Nick Saban preaches and wants to see, I think speaks volumes about where they can go. Uh, but in week one, I think so many things were answered, and it starts with, with Bryce Young at quarterback and how could the youngster manage the role as the starter and I think a historic four-touchdown effort um, certainly puts it, in, uh, puts it in perspective. 27 of 38, 344 yards, the four touchdowns, uh, just tremendous in engineering the offense and making sure they were where they needed to be. Spread the wealth with uh, a receiving core that we knew would be good and is once again. Uh, you're losing from last year's team, highly documented over the offseason, but a phenomenal group of players on the offensive side of the ball, whether you're talking about running back with Najee Harris, the wideouts and the Heisman Trophy winner in Devontae Smith, but also a tremendous offensive line. And oh, by the way, Mac Jones, who will be a day one starter in the National Football League this year for the Patriots. So while there's a ton of pieces, there's no question, as always, the focus starts at quarterback. And for Bryce Young to manage that environment with a crowd, which is something that Truly, nobody had to experience or go through last year, including Mac. But to see Bryce handle that, manage that as effectively as he did, 
extremely impressive, engineering the offense as well as executing at a very, very high level. The third down uh, execution was tremendous. Alabama 10 of 16 in that ball game, and, and a lot of things, especially in the first half, that were impressive to see from uh, from Bryce Young. But then you go with the uh, the receiving core, and starting with John Mechie, who was expected to be the focal point, the point guy with the other weapons moving on to the National Football League, and Mechie delivered just that. He had a touchdown, the opening touchdown of the game for the Crimson Tide on a 37-yard reception, but finishes with six catches for 76. And uh, and then you go and, and you look and you see what happens with um, with Williams catching the deep ball and, and doing what he did. Uh, you know, four catches, but 126 yards, and the bulk of that obviously coming on the 94-yard reception and the run afterward. You saw the breakaway speed that uh, Jameson has and obviously another huge threat on the edge. So, uh, But you can go down the line. I thought uh, from the tight end perspective, and, and you, know, you can count them offensive lineman, receiver, what have you, but, but the job that Cameron Latu did, uh, just outstanding with two catches for touchdowns out of the four, uh, or the three, I should say, that he had total. Fun to watch, fun to see where uh where he can be for this offense and you know that you know they're going to be weapons but how will they manage being the point person at their spot that was the question mark coming in and at least for a week those questions were answered very clearly uh even though you knew there was talent at quarterback with Bryce Young you knew there were options available at wide out would time be given for young to see those uh, those options get open and could the offensive line with so many holes to to fill and people to replace from last year could they give him time well he had all day that offensive front was absolutely fantastic for the crimson tide it was very fun uh, to see the job that happened, whether you're talking about Evan Neal, Javion Cohen, Chris Owens, Emil Ekior, Kendall Randolph, and the guys that came in behind them that were very, very solid as well. But that starting offensive front was great. Did a tremendous job of not only giving Young time, but also opening up uh, enough holes for the run game. And look, uh, Brian Robinson is not Najee Harris. He doesn't have to be because he doesn't have to even carry the ball as many times as Najee did, let alone do it the way Najee Harris did. This can be done by committee. And whether you're talking about Robinson, Sanders, Jace McClellan, Roydale Williams, uh, and then what Bryce Young can do with his legs in addition to throwing the football, this can still be an effective run game. And I think when you look at the final numbers it's indicative of that. Yeah, you know, you throw it for 354, but you run it for another 147. Uh, it doesn't have to be 50-50. This is not five years ago, certainly not 10 years ago in the game of college football. Your passing yards are going to get the bulk of the work, and it could be overwhelming uh, through the air. But you've got to have some sort of run game, and Alabama's got that. They can be effective when they need to be 
ran it. I, I fought really, really well. And so that was a good answer in a solid test, not the best test that they'll see, certainly on the defensive side in what Miami gave them, but good nonetheless and uh, excited about what can happen for Alabama in the run game going forward. Defensively, uh, look, it, it's hard not to talk about the loss of Chris Allen with that foot injury and what Coach Saban said is likely uh, a loss for the remainder of the season. He is a major force and one of the top talents, not only on this team but in the country as well, and that'll be tough to replace. But I, I think they will be good enough other spots that they can compensate for that. It would be foolish to say you're, you're not going to miss it. Um, in, in the limited snaps, uh, three tackles, a couple of them solos and, uh, and an assist and a sack as well for, for Chris Allen in that ball game. The big picture, you're going to miss him over the course of the year. That being said, the defensive front was absolutely dominant. And uh, Justin Aboigby and Fy Mathis uh, on the edge, D.J. Dale up the middle, uh, the linebacking crew, I'm, you know, with Chris Allen being among those guys, but across the board, just tremendous. Will Anderson was great. Uh, Henry Tooto, thankfully not a serious uh, elbow injury, as Coach pointed out after the ball game when he when he left, there was concern. All right, maybe you've lost another guy in addition to Chris Harris, but not the case apparently, at least not long term. So uh, I thought. They looked great. Again, the front seven was was fantastic. I think we saw the the speed, the the talent that's there in the secondary, as well the 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 versatility that you are getting with Brian Branch uh, back there. In addition to what we saw last year with Malachi Moore, but there are a lot of really good players on the back half of that defense, and that is exciting to see as you look towards the rest of the year and some, frankly, bigger challenges than what you'll get from the number 15 team in the country uh, in the preseason in the hurricane. Special teams, very solid. The punt game, uh, you know, there were five of them, but most of those coming late in the ball game. But, but uh, or excuse me, I was looking at the wrong column there. Uh, James Burnup only had to kick twice, but, um, you know, solid, if not spectacular, uh, the return game was fine. Will Reichard was Will Reichard. Uh, 2021, picking up where he left off last year. Drills three, including uh, all of them are, you know, good length kicks, but the 51-yarder, great to see him boot that through and, and stay uh, perfect for now. Uh, so far on a second season, did a nice job handling the kickoffs as well for the Crimson Tide. What does the week one result mean? Uh, a win was expected by most. I think anybody that picked Miami to beat Alabama was just basically going with a stretch and trying to be different. I think Alabama was the obvious favorite in that ball game. Did it? Did most expect it, my, myself included, expect it to be over at halftime? No. Uh, but 27-3, to that game was done. It was a matter of I, – I thought the question – was going to be could Alabama sustain, could those new guys sustain their level of play for the second half? And while it wasn't as dominant, the fact that they put up the goal line stand at the start of the second half was huge. 
I thought that was a big lift and really took any mystery out of the game. If, if Miami punches it in right there, then maybe you're looking at that different, how does the offense respond now that it becomes clearly a challenge? That wasn't an issue. The defense gets the stop, the offense continues on, and it was clearly over midway through the third quarter, if it wasn't already by the end of the first half. So I thought they they managed that pretty well. Didn't finish it maybe as well as Coach would have liked, but that's not shocking given what Miami was kind of throwing at some younger, even younger players and even less experienced guys that took the field for a good bit of the fourth quarter of that particular game. What do you what do you look for in week two? For me, it's going to be a lot of what I was looking for in the second half against Miami. The ability to stay locked in and stay focused, even though you know the outcome is basically in hand. Alabama's going to beat Mercer. Please don't tell Coach I said that. But Alabama will beat Mercer. How do they play against Mercer? That's the question. That's what everybody wants to see. Um, that is the biggest question mark. And can they execute at a high level early, put that away? Can the starters take care of business so that the backup guys can get meaningful and extensive playing time? I say meaningful. Extensive may be the better way of putting it because you want to have your, and I've said this for years, games like this are, to me, the pressure is on the starters to execute at a high level and they owe it to the guys behind them to do their job, get off the field, and give them an opportunity to play, to get better, and frankly, for some guys, be seen by their family, their friends, for the only time or one of the rare occasions for an entire year. This is where you should dominate, you should be great early, and make sure that everybody who's dressed gets an opportunity. And make sure that you escape the wrath of the head coach as best you can uh, by executing regardless of who you're playing. Mercer looked looked good in their opener against Point University, but this is a whole different ballgame, obviously. 69 to nothing winners in their opener, but uh, taking on an Alabama team that will be, obviously, uh, it's not even apples and oranges that, that you're comparing with the two. So uh, Alabama's ability to stay locked in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in practice, getting ready for the weekend and taking care of business early is what I'll be looking for in that one. Quickly looking at some of the other games that went on in the Southeastern Conference uh, involving SEC schools. Not going to run through all of them, but a couple that I'll uh, that I'll point to: uh, Georgia and Clemson with uh, with Georgia winning that with ten three. I know a lot of people will say, "Wow, there's no offense. The defenses were great." I, I there was there wasn't a lot of offense. But I think it's it's twofold. One, you've got two very good, very elite defenses in Georgia and Clemson clearly squaring off in that one that had the upper hand. Georgia's not at full speed. They're, they're missing about half their receiving core. They will get better on the offensive side of the ball as things go on. Uh, they will be an elite team. Their defense will continue to be good, I think, but their offense will be much, much better in the team that probably – Alabama will face in the SEC championship game in Atlanta is is nowhere near the team they were, especially on the offensive side of the ball, 
from what we saw in Charlotte in the game against Clemson. Uh, for Clemson, if they don't get complacent and think they can sleepwalk through the ACC schedule, I think they will be just fine and will probably be in that league championship game once again as well and be on the cusp of a playoff berth, whether they're able to actually get back into it or not. I still think Clemson's very good. Obviously, a ton of work to do offensively. That offensive front has got to get better. Uh, but they will feast on the rest of the ACC, which is probably only going to have a couple of teams that will challenge them. Clemson, uh, excuse me, uh, Miami, I think, being one. Florida State being another. I don't think Florida State is the Florida State of old, but they certainly played well against Notre Dame and I think will be uh, dangerous if they're able to stay healthy by the time those two teams square off. Georgia, you know, uh, they will they will be uh, interesting to watch this week with UAB being their next opponent because I think that can be a dangerous game. UAB was really impressive in their win over Jacksonville State. I know there's a huge difference in Jack State and in Georgia especially on the defensive side of the ball. But it's a veteran group that Bill Clark has. And if Georgia looks past the Blazers, then that could be a, uh, a much tougher game between the hedges than many Bulldog fans expect. Moving on to uh, another SEC team, one that did not fare well, LSU falling to UCLA. I will start off by saying I think the Bruins are much better than perhaps many of us anticipated. I thought they looked really good, especially at running back. Uh, they shut down LSU. Uh, but if I'm an LSU fan, God forbid, I'm really, really concerned today because I think you've you've got issues with that program. Uh, and when I say issues, I don't mean they're bottom of the bottom half of the SEC, but I don't think they're – I don't think they're any closer to challenging Alabama this year than they were last year. I think they're going to struggle to be anything close to what they were two years ago when they won the national championship with Joe Burrow. And look, I think it's a fair comparison that many people are putting out there. Are Is LSU simply what Auburn was under Gene Chizik? And while I have a lot of respect for Gene Chizik, the argument was made that Chiz won the national title simply because of Cam Newton. The same thing is being said now as it relates to Joe Burrow um, with Ed Orgeron. You know, the, the deal with the fan going into the, the Rose Bowl Stadium and his verbal exchange with them, which was all over Twitter and, and talked about a lot. You know, if LSU wins – that's, that's not talked about. It, it's talked about because they lost and because it's Ed O. That's not – what happened on the way into the stadium doesn't bother me nearly as much if I follow LSU closely and care about LSU as what happened once the team got into the stadium and what happened between the lines. They looked lost, um, and I think they have more games like that against comparable – competition. They will beat lesser opponents badly. They've got too much athleticism, too much talent for that not to happen. But how do they manage uh, teams that are capable of beating them? That's going to be interesting to watch. Florida State-Notre Dame uh, was a, 
a really entertaining game to watch. You know, watching it from the Alabama perspective of potential challengers for the Crimson Tide in the national championship picture, I didn't see that from either team, frankly. But I think within their league, their competition, I know Notre Dame's not playing a full ACC schedule again this year, but Notre Dame is a team that probably will be good enough to get back into the the uh, the playoff picture. I still don't think they'll contend for the whole thing because I don't think they're good enough. Florida State looks better, but still doesn't look like Florida State. The biggest story, obviously, was not even the outcome of that game. It was McKenzie Milton. And great story. And frankly, it's been so long, I'd forgotten about him. I'd forgotten about the fact that he was the UCF quarterback who looked so good and then had the devastating injury to which not even his own doctors thought he had a chance to play again. But for him to to get a chance to take the field again, that in and of itself was a great storyline. But you add to the mix that he put that team in position to win, brought them back, gave them a chance, a really cool story, and among the reasons why we love the college game and we're so thankful that we had college football once again, which which leads me to my final point uh, as I wrap up the podcast today. The best part of the whole weekend uh, for me was was having a chance to walk from my my hotel, team hotel, a relatively short distance, very short distance actually, into Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday before the game. It was the first time in gosh, three seasons for me to have that opportunity because uh, many of you know that I I, I had uh, bypass surgery prior to the start of the 2019 season, developed an infection that had me in the hospital for literally three months, a 91-day stay, uh, fortunate to still be alive, but missed all of of the 2019 season was in the hospital for all but one regular season game, frankly, that particular year. And last season with COVID, the the limited capacity, you didn't have a whole lot of interaction with fans. There weren't as many fans, and, and the walk to a stadium was much different. To be back, to have full capacity allowed – to have almost a full stadium at Mercedes-Benz. And for me, that walk to the stadium where I encountered so many people who were so incredibly kind to me, first time I've seen many of of you since, uh, since my illness, and people were so gracious. I hadn't thought about it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm two years removed from that, praise God, literally. So it, it – wasn't really on my mind, but to have so many people speak, stop me, and tell me how glad they were to see me, people I've never met before in my life. I, I continue to be amazed. I know we got a lot of negative going on in the world, but folks, I am continually amazed at just how kind and how good people are, because uh, you were wonderful to me when I was in a very bad spot health-wise. You uh, are continuing to be so kind to me now as thankfully my health has been restored and and I'm doing well. But uh, just it was nice to be around people again, to see people tailgating, to see people have a good time, 
and I have a chance to visit with you on the way to the stadium. So if you if you see me, please speak. Um, I, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do is to have a chance to talk with fellow Alabama fans because, frankly, I'm just one of you. Uh, I'm, I'm a very fortunate man who's grown up in this state, has been an Alabama fan since I was since I was a child, and still have to pinch myself that I get to do what I do for a living and very grateful that I get a chance to interact with uh, people who love the Tide like I do and, and are appreciative of the opportunity now more so than ever to be uh, around a game day environment, a game day atmosphere, and uh, just appreciate all of you so very much. So my biggest takeaway from the weekend, it was great to be back and feel normal. I know we're not out of the woods as far as COVID is concerned. Experienced it in my own household uh, over the last month. Thankfully, my, my child who was, who was sick with it uh, is doing well. No, uh, at the moment, no uh, after effects of that. And, and the rest of my family uh, dodging the bullet as far as COVID is concerned had multiple tests for us, and we've, we've been in good shape so far. I know that uh, it is a day-by-day set of circumstances, and there have been numerous thousands upon thousands uh, within our state, millions worldwide as it relates to COVID and, the, and with the variant that's out there now. We're not completely out of the woods. I get that. But that all being said, it was nice for a few hours on Saturday in Atlanta for it to feel like college football normal at 100% again. Uh, very, very special. It's not something that I take for granted and thankful that I had a chance to experience it and experience it with many of you that may be listening to the podcast right now. Going to do this a couple of times a week. Hope you'll continue to follow me uh, online, chrisstewartonline.com. Frankly, I haven't done a lot on the site itself over the last couple of years for reasons that I just laid out uh, a few moments ago. But uh, we'll be more active on the site itself, but continue to follow me on Twitter at C Stewart Sports and other social media platforms as well. Thanks again for uh, for logging on. Thanks again to my sponsors, which you will hear about in just a moment, and we will talk to you again later in the week right here online. Chris Stewart Online. You've logged on to Chris Stewart Online, the official podcast of Alabama broadcaster Chris Stewart. This podcast is brought to you by. Townsend Honda, Skyland Boulevard in Tuscaloosa, and online at townsendhonda.com. Andrews Sports Medicine, orthopedic care for all in the relentless pursuit of victory over injury. Mobley and Sons, a fine gentleman's clothier in Tuscaloosa. Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. KS Services Heating and Air, Alabama's most trusted heating, cooling, and plumbing company. And by the Alabama Crimson Tide Fan Card, the only prepaid fan card for Alabama fans. Online at myfancard.com. From the Crimson Tide to Birmingham High School football and everything else in the state of Alabama and sports, it's Chris Stewart Online.